You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Beit Shemesh, Israel 5783-2023. This week's Parsha is Parsha Tzav, and the Torah continues with its description and with its commandment about the Korbonis, about the sacrifices that were brought in the Mishkan and which will be soon brought in our base Hamigdash, in our holy temple in Jerusalem. And there's a very interesting discussion in the, in the Medrash, which I'd like to share with you. And it flows into an even more interesting discussion that has to do with each and every one of us. We're going to start off talking about Korbanus, and we're going to end off talking about what it has to do with us. Because Korbanus, the sacrifices, when we speak about them, they seem to be something very distant from us. Interestingly, I just saw an advertisement that on sh- on Sunday, this coming Sunday, uh, near the hotel, they're going to have a display. They're going to they're going to have real kohanim come in real big day kahuna, in real garments, and practice what it looks like to bring a carbon pesach, to bring a paschal lamb. There'll be many rabbis there, etc. But it's hard for us to relate to that. I'm gonna. I'd like to go on Sunday to see this with my own eyes. It's hard for us to relate to it and hard for us to understand what it means, what's a korban, how does it apply to us. But let's see what the measure says. It starts off telling us about a machlekes, an argument between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yaisi Barchanina that has to do with something fundamental. I'm not going to get so much into the concept of, you know, this basic concept, but a little bit we'll touch on. Shlomim Oilo. There's two different kinds of carbonus. There are a few different kinds, but two main kinds. An Ola is a completely bur- burnt sacrifice. It's placed on the altar. Everything was burnt. A Shlamim was a different kind of carbon, which is actually the carbon Pesach in many ways is very similar to a Shlamim. Carbon Shlamim was brought, part of it was brought on the Zbech, on the altar, and part of it was eaten either by Kohanim, or in the case of carbon Pesach, it was eaten by the owners of the animal. Now the question is, we find that there were carbonists that were brought before the Torah was given. We find that Noah brought carbonists, he brought sacrifices, Adam Arishon, our sages say, brought sacrifices, Avram Avinu, Yitzchak, Yaakov. The sacrifices that were brought before, were they only oilas? Were they only completely burnt offerings? Or were they were those who came before the Torah, was it a new concept, the concept of Shlomim, or was it something that existed before, that you'd have a sacrifice, you offer part of it to God, and you take part of the animal for yourself. So this issue is a machlokus. It's an argument between Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yaisi, Bar Chanina. Rabbi Lazar says that indeed, a carbon Shlomim was something that was brought, could have been brought before the times of the Torah. The Torah is not... Is telling us a new concept, the Korban Shlomim, that's part of it is brought by the, the Kohanim onto the altar for God, and part of it is eaten by the, by the owner. Rabbi Yisrael says no. That before the Torah was given, there was only a completely burnt offering. That was the only thing that was brought as a sacrifice to Hashem. There was no Shlomim. Shlomim is a new idea. The Torah was Mechadish, it's a novel idea that the Torah brings, that there's such a thing as bringing something to Hashem and taking part of it for yourself. Now, the, Gemara, the, the Medrash goes through a number of different 
proofs this way or that way, trying to prove that Rabbi Lezer is right, that Rabbi Yossi Bar is right. I'm not going to read them all because I really want to get to the end of the Medrash. There's a long piece in the Medrash. So I'm going to skip to one of the proofs. Says the Medrash, I'd like to prove that Rabbi Yossi Bar is correct. That indeed, before the Torah, there were only carbon oilus. There was only sacrifices that were completely burnt. How do I know? So, there's a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, in Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 16. Uri Tzafon, Uvayi Teman. Awaken, O north, and come to the south. Or, come those from Teman. Teman is the name of a place, Yemen. Or it could also be a reference to the south. In this message, we're going to understand it as a reference to the south. Uri Tzafon, Zoy Oila, Says the Medrash, when it says, Awaken, O North, it's a reference to a carbon oila. A carbon oila, the sacrifice which was completely burnt, was something which was slaughtered in the north. In the northern part above, well, if, if you're looking at a map of the, of the Beis Hamikdash, so it looks like it's above the Mizbeach. It's north of the Mizbeach, of the altar. Now says the Medrash, why does it say, Awaken, O North, Awaken, O Ola, O a Completely Burnt Sacrifice? It's something that existed before, predated the Torah, and we're reawakening this concept of making such an offering to Hashem. So that's why it says, Uri And come, O South. What's this a reference to? Zaytoida Shenishchatabadarim. This is a reference to the carbon taida, uh, a thanks offering, which is a shlamim, which is this kind of uh, offering, which part of it is brought for Hashem and part of it is eaten by the owner. This, the thanks offering is sacrificed in the south. Why does it say, oh, and come, as opposed to awaken? Because this is a new thing. This is, an, uh, this is a new concept of carbon shlomim. So this is like Rabbi Yassi Barchanina, this verse, or this understanding of the verse. Rabbi Yassi Barchanina said that shlomim didn't exist before the giving of the Torah. That's, that's this Pasuk, very interesting Pasuk. We're going to see more about this Pasuk soon. Another verse, this verse is in Vayikra, in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 2, which I think is our Parsha. It says in the verse, This is the law of the Ola. It is the Ola. What does it mean? What is it? It's the known Ola. It's the known uh, completely burnt sacrifice. Why do we know it from before? Is it something that was brought indeed by the children of Noah previously, before the Torah was given? What does what does it say in regards to the carbon shlamim? It says, this is the Torah, these are the laws of the sacrifice of the shlamim. It doesn't say the shlamim that was brought to Hashem. It says the carbon that will be brought to Hashem. So what does that teach us? It means that it's something that's a new thing. It's a new concept. So the manager is saying these two verses prove the Rabbi Yaisi Barchanina is correct that Shlomim was not something this sacrifice which was for the Mizbech and also for the owners 
was not something that existed before the Torah. Now the Medrash says, Rabbi Lazar said that they did have Korbanus Shlomim before. They did have this dual purpose sacrifice before. So how does he understand these verses? So he says like this, the Pasuk, this Pasuk in Shir Hashim in Song of Songs, according to Rebbe Lazar, and we could say that even according to Rebbe Yassi Barchanina, it's more the simple understanding of the verses, so it's not, it's not a contradiction. What is this Pasuk referring to? It's referring to the fact that when the Goliaths, when the exiles who are found in the north, they are awakened. They will come and they will encamp in the south. South is a reference to the land of Israel, right? And the Pasuk says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 7, I am bringing them from a northerly land. So they will come, right? We're, the word Tzafon, which means north, also means Tzafun. We also find, Tzafun means hidden, Right? The Jewish people, as long as we are inside of exile, as long as we're outside of the land of Israel, we are hidden. Right? We don't have a, a true identity as a nation when we're outside of Israel. Right? As we come to Israel, we, we gain our identity. Klal Yisrael, we are called Klal Yisrael, the people of Israel. Where is the country of the people of Israel? It's the land of Israel. As long as we are outside of Israel, we are in Gullus, we're in exile, and we don't have that identity. We're tzafun, we're hidden. Hashem says, I'm bringing them back from that land of hiddenness. And I'm bringing them to the south, so to speak. To the land of Israel. And it's important to point out here, I'd like to point out, that in deeper thought, in the, in the deeper, the machshavas form, the books that speak of deeper thought. So, what is the concept of right? What is the concept of left? What is the concept of north? What is the concept of south? These, these concepts are connected. The word Safon, which means north, so we're facing east. We're always facing east, right? That's the classic direction Jews face, not just because we're facing to the land of Israel from the west, because most of us are in the west. Many of us, I shouldn't say most of us. Many of us are in the west, right? People in South Africa are facing north. But we face, classically, we face east. So now, when we speak about north and south, when you're facing east, so north is to the left, South is to the right, right? So south is is connected intimately with the concept of the right, which is chesed, the concept of kindness, of 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 God's beneficence being open and and clear. The left is connected to gevura. The left hand has to do with the concept of gevura, withholding kindness, the concept of God being hidden. Right, so that's the tzafon, the north tzafun. Also, find the Gemara says that it's a Gemara in Sukkah that it refers to the yitzhara, the evil inclination in a human being, as the tzafoni. Hashem promises that tzafoni archik mimchem. Hashem promises that when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah arrives, he will distance the yitzhara from us. The yitzhara won't have any power anymore. The evil inclination won't have power over us anymore. Our egos will be diminished with the advent of the messianic age. Those Hashem is saying, I'm going to bring you from the north, from the place where my hand is hidden, the left side. 
and I'm going to bring you to the south, to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel, where it's a place of chesed. My hand is more openly apparent, right? God's eyes are upon this land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. There's much more this open, divine providence. Okay, so this Pasuk is talking about the return of the Jewish people from the north, from the hidden place to the south. And I would say, bringing it back to the carbon Shlomim and the carbon Eulah, right? These two different types of Korbanas, these sacrifices. We said that the carbon Eulah, which is a completely burnt sacrifice, it's in the north. That's related to the north. The north is the Gevura. It's where we don't see ourselves in a relationship with Hashem. It's all Hashem, which is a certain level, which is an awesome level. But a Shlomim, a carbon Shlomim is a Taida. This thanks offering is the carbon Pesach. It's about a relationship. We are being formed as a nation with carbon Pesach, with the, with the sacrifice, with the Passover sacrifice. It's the first mitzvah that the Jewish people perform as a nation. We are being, we are coming into a relationship with Hashem with the carbon Pesach, with the carbon Taida. We're thanking Hashem for having saved me, for having saved us from some kind of difficult event. So the Korban Shlomim is in the south. It's on the, it can be brought in the south. It's on the right side. It's on the place of chesed. It's on the place of, of love and connection. As opposed to Korban Oila, which denotes more of a separation from Hashem. It's only in the north. Okay, so that's the, the concepts of north, south, concept of Oila, Shlomim, and the concept of coming out of Gullus, coming out of exile, is leaving the north, leaving the hiddenness, leaving the place where God's hand is not as apparent, and coming to a place, the south, which is Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, where God's hand is much more apparent, much more open. Says the Medrash L'Cheshis, Ayur Goig, the Medrash continues, when Gog will be awakened, Tanasim itself, and where is Gog? Gog, we know there's a concept of Gog and Magog, the, the war of Armageddon, before Mashiach comes, before, before the Messiah arrives. So there's a great war, which according to the Chavis Chaim, we already saw the first two installments in World War I and World War II, and there's another installment, so to speak, that's going to come, according to the Chavis Chaim. Right? So the, the war of Gog and Magog, where does he come from? He comes from the north. What does it mean he comes from the north? He comes from the side of Gevure. He comes from the side of hiddenness, where you don't see Hashem. He comes and he falls in the south. He falls in the land of Israel. The Pesukim say, the verses in Ezekiel say, So he comes, the, the king of Gog, the king of Magog, which is Gog, he comes... And he's awakened from the northern place and he comes to the southern place. He comes to the land of Israel. He dies in Israel. He's buried in Israel, the Pesukim tell us. And, but in concept, what it means is there's a war which comes, which begins with a, with tremendous destruction and, and, and tremendous amount of hiddenness of Hashem. And it culminates, it, it finishes with a revelation of Hashem. We could say that when the Jewish people received back the land of Israel in 1948, received back Yerushalayim in 1967. That is, that's the South. That's the revelation of Hashem. It's a culmination of that war. 48 certainly is a culmination of, of the of the results of that war. 
the First World War and the Second World War. <laughs> we could talk about this at length, but I'm not going to get into it. Right? There's a revelation in the South. The King Mashiach, he's in the North as well. He starts off in the North. He starts off in a hidden place. He comes and he builds the Beis Hamikdash, which is in the south. What does it mean in the south? What does it mean the Beis Hamikdash is in the south? Says the Halegates Yosef, because the portion of Judah is in the south part of Eretz Yisrael. Right? If you look at a map of Israel, so there's the north, there's the south. Towards the south is the the whole. If you look at a map, an ancient map of the portions of the tribes where they were. The base of English is in the south. The base of English is in this portion of Judah, which is in the south. Okay. So he's going to come from the north, a hidden place to the south, a revealed place. I awaken from the north. And he comes from the, the east. All right, so now let's come to the end of this medrash and, and really connect it to us and what this means for us. Rabbi Yaisi b'shem Rabbi Yaman bar Levi. Rabbi Yaisi in the name of Rabbi Yaman, the son of Levi, says like this, He says an incredible thing. He says we have a concept of a northerly wind and a southerly wind. As I'm explained, connected to what we've been, ta- been talking about with north and south, what they represent as far as Gevura and Chesed, as far as a hidden aspect of Hashem versus an open, revealed, loving aspect of Hashem. There's a northerly wind which represents the hidden aspect. And when that blows, when there's a northerly wind blowing, you can't have a southerly wind blowing. You can't have these two winds blowing at the same time. Right? A wind blowing from this direction, you can't have another wind coming from the other direction. It's just not possible. And what it means for, for us, as the Mephoshim explained here, it means that when there's a, a Hanhaga, when Hashem interacts with the world, with Gevura, with withholding His revelation, you can't see, you can't see the other wind, which is the Hanhaga, where Hashem reveals Himself. And when Hashem reveals Himself, it precludes the other Hanhaga, the other way of God dealing with the world, which is hiding Himself. You can't have both at the same time. In the future, in the future, before Mashiach comes, or maybe when Mashiach comes, God says, I'm going to reveal two winds at the same moment, at the same time. And these two winds, a northerly wind and a southerly wind, a wind that shows my hiddenness and a wind that shows my revelation, they will both happen at the same moment. This is what it means. I will say to the north, meaning the northerly wind. This is a pasuk in Yeshaya, in Isaiah chapter forty-three, verse six. I will say to the northerly wind, "Give, go." And the southerly wind, don't hold yourself back. Bring my children back from far away, and my daughters from the edges of the earth. So there'll be two winds. There's two ways, I would say, that Hashem brings us back to the land of Israel. 
One way is with Gevur, with a hidden hand. We get kicked out of a country. The Arab world has kicked out all of its Jews. We get, we, we endure terrible pogroms and holocausts in Europe and we are pushed out into the land of Israel. That's one way that we come back. That's the hidden hand. That's the, the hidden, the, the northerly wind. But then there's a southerly wind, a, a wind of love, a carbon shlamim of taida, which says, Eretz Yisrael is building beautifully. It's so awesome. It's such an awesome place to live. It's such a, it's such a spiritual place. It's developing. It's growing. The spiritual aspect of the land of Israel is getting stronger and stronger with each passing day. It's calling. It's calling to all of our children outside of Israel. Come back. Return to my, return to me. Return to the land. So you have a, a northerly wind and a southerly wind. You have that wind of, of chesed, of kindness. Come back to Eretz Yisrael. Says Rabbi Yechanon, a very important thing. And this comes down to what do we, which wind, which wind do we want to be brought back to Eretz Yisrael with? How do we want to come back to the land of Israel? Rabbi Yechanon says that the Torah says, there's a certain way it's supposed to be. And this is a marshal, this is an analogy. A chasan. A guy who's getting married, right? He's marrying his wife. He doesn't walk into the chuppah. He turns to his, his, his soon-to-be wife, he turns to his fiancée, and he says, May I enter the chuppah and, and understand what is a chuppah? It's the wedding canopy. So the chuppah is really their home. It's a, represent, it's a representation of the home. It's that area needs to be owned by the chassan when he marries her. It's a space which they they will join together and they will become one. They will be, they will get married, right? Chassan turns to his fiance, his soon-to-be wife, and he says to her, "May I enter our future home?" And she says, "Yes, you may." That's how it's supposed to be. We are the Kala, so to speak. We, the Jewish people, are the bride of God. And Hashem turns to us and says, May I enter? May I enter our home? May I enter the Eretz Yisrael? May I enter the land of Israel? May I enter the Yushalayim, Jerusalem? May I enter the Harabais? May I enter my home, the Beis Hamikdash, where we're going to be wed. Hashem turns to us and asks us this question, and we, as it were, give him permission. We, as it were, and what does that look like? We're going to find out in a moment. This is what it says in Shira Shirim. In this very verse, chapter 4, verse 16, that talks about, Awake in the north, come to the south. This is Klal Yisrael speaking to Hashem and us saying, please let my beloved man come to his garden and eat from the fruits of the produce. Please Hashem, we show, we show that we want Hashem to come here. 
And then the Pasuk says, I, which is the man speaking, which is Hashem speaking, I came to my garden, my dear sister, my, my wife. Hashem speaks to us and says, Oh, you've given me permission, as it were. Klai Yisrael needs to give God permission, as it were, to come into the, into the palace, to come into Eretz Yisrael. What does that mean? What is this measure saying? It's saying an unbelievable thing. Saying such an important thing that we don't think about, that we don't realize. We all have been trained to believe. We've been raised to believe. It's been drilled into our heads that Mashiach comes, Messiah arrives, and then we all come back. This message is telling us something very different. The message is telling us that we need to show Hashem that we really want Mashiach, that we really want Him to come back, that we really want Beis Hamikdash. We can't wait. We can't wait for Him to, to, to arrive and then we come. Hashem turns to us like a chosen, saying, do you want me, may, may I go in? And well, We're supposed to say, yes, please come in. But how do we say that? How do we say that? How do we say, Hashem, we want Mashiach now? Is that how we say it? That's not how we say it. Words are not so meaningful. They, are, they have some meaning, but they're not very meaningful. We want Mashiach now is a very nice thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't say it like action. When I live in Eretz Yisrael, when I come to Yushalayim, when I come to the holy places of Jerusalem, and I show Hashem, I really want you here. I want, I want you to come back here. Hashem is waiting for us to say that. He's waiting for us to say, please Hashem return. Not just with words, but with actions. This is such an essential idea. This is so foundational. And it's something that we don't think about, we don't realize. Kodesh Bochu wants us to initiate. Hashem wants us to show that we want Beis HaMikdash. That we want Korbanus. That we want relationship. Because that's what the, the sacrifices are about. The word Korban means a sacrifice, means a Korban, means to come close. Means to have a relationship. It's about the Shlomim. It's the, according to one opinion, that's the Chiddush of the Torah. The Torah says, I want the Shlomim. Shem says, I want this relationship. I want a carbon Pesach. I want a carbon Taida. I want this relationship with you, Am Yisrael. But you need to initiate it. You need to ask for it. You need to ask for it for real. It can't just be words. We can't, we can't fool ourselves. And we can't fool Hashem. Words are nice, but action is what's required. Do we want to be blown in on a, on, a, on a northerly wind, or do we want to be blown in on a southerly wind? Hashem invites us to come in on a southerly wind. He wants us, Uri come back. Come back. If it's this way or that way, you're going to see both things happening at the same time. But Hashem says, invite me in. Come. Invite me in. I want to bless you, and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we should be able to indeed be in ire, to be awakened by a southerly wind, to be awakened by a wind of love, to return, to be ready, to be willing, to be, to be blown back to Eretz Yisrael, to show Hashem, to invite Hashem in, back to Eretz Yisrael, back into Yushalayim, back into, back into Beis HaMikdash, into the Holy Temple. Hashem should help us to be zeichet, to merit, to see, indeed, that incredible revelation of Hashem speedily and in our days. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.
This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.